Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday afternoon. Just back from Las Vegas to the friendly confines of New Orleans. Where is it more comfortable to be right now, Las Vegas or New Orleans, Andrew Lopez? It depends on if you. What's your preference on humidity? I I think I'd rather be home and sweating and have you know 98 degrees feel like 110 than be in the the baking oven that is Las Vegas. Although I did get out of Las Vegas before, it's going to be like 118 this weekend. So I think I think I won. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Tell me if you think what I'm about to say is insane. And I know that we talk about the NBA and we're now talking about weather, but you tell me if you think what I'm about to say is insane. As a veteran of many, of many weeks spent in Las Vegas in July and August in my career covering Summer League and Team USA, I believe you can smell the heat. And why, what I mean by that is it gets so hot, there's something that comes off the concrete or the asphalt, and I can smell. There's like a I, I think you're just it, smelling it people's feet. <laughs> I, think, I think you're just smelling people's feet burning on the cement. I think that's all that is. Okay. Well, I can't deny that possibility. <laughs> so you were on the Victor Wembanyama beat for us in uh, Las Vegas, your first experience with him, but you also were in San Antonio mm-hmm. for practice. You were there for when he was introduced. So I think you may have exceeded you now have replaced me at ESPN for interviews and time around Victor. So before we talk about the Vegas week, I just want to know, what do you think of him? What's your impression of him? Um, you've obviously probably heard a lot about him. Tell me what you think. You know, as, as most like, you know, NBA nerds on Twitter, I've you know been following something about Victor since he was 15, 16 years old and, and, and watching clips and, seeing exactly what he was going to do and how, how it was going to going to pan out watched. I remember, I think it was, I think during the games in, in Vegas, the, the initial ones, the, the G league exhibition ones, um, when he played the ignite and scoot, I remember like there was a, a game that night that I had to cover. And I was like, I was very upset that I had to cover it because I think it might've been like, it might've honestly, it might've been Zion in San Antonio. Uh, for one of his first preseason games back, honestly. But I remember like having to go back and like, no, I watched this full game as soon as I got back to the room that night and watching the second game and, and being so impressed and following him obviously throughout the season like, like most NBA fans have. But the, the thing that has jumped out to me in person, seeing everything that he has done since the draft, you know, throwing out the first pitch at the Yankees game, doing all the media, doing the subway and everything, it's just how poised he is for the amount of pressure that is being put on him. And I think he has talked about his parents and talked about his agents and everybody around him, his team kind of, kind of mentally preparing him for, for what's to come. And I think I, I asked pop about this at the, the post draft availability where, where we talked to pop, you know, right after the pick and he again, great, you know, credited his parents for everything that they have done for him. It's just, he, he understands his place in the spotlight. I think we kind of saw a little bit about, about that even this, this past week with the, the, the Britney Spears situation of, of how he came out and handled that 
and, and, and talked about it right away. And I think sometimes there's, there's teams that probably would have not put him anywhere near a microphone 12 hours. Yeah, I mean, after I, we have like the that video that from that. I don't know right. what happened to her. I, you know, the video that I saw was, she was from the back, her head, like snapped back. I don't know what happened to her, but what I do know is that Victor had nothing to do with it. Right. I don't think he ever saw her. I don't think he knew it was Britney Spears. I don't know if she, what she said, but I can say based on that video, Victor had nothing to do with it, but no. you're right. He did come out the next day and address it. I mean, 12, like 12, 14 hours later, he's in front of microphones talking about it and was very poised in, in how he handled that situation. Um, he knows there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He knows we've seen how he's dealt with pressure. You know, just that first game, nine, eight, two for 13 from the field. And then he comes back and responds the way he does. And I think he, the, the poise and being prepared for the moment is kind of the thing uh, that has stood out to me, other than the fact that like he's way up there. Like that, that's the other thing that you have to look for is the fact, look, seven, I'm not buying 73225 on the roster. All right. I'm well by the two. I'm not buying seven three his, and a half. Let me say this about his height. Because I was, was saying seven five for months. I didn't make up seven five. I was told seven five. Okay. Zion or uh, Zion. Victor announced he was seven three. And when he was measured in bare feet. He came up at like seven three and five eights, right? Yeah. So that would be seven four in bare feet. That's seven four to me. <laughs> and in shoes, which is what NBA players are usually measured in. And you know what? I'm pretty sure they usually play in those as well. So I think that might be uh, might be key to I'm the fit- measurement. Yes. <laughs> so I think he actually is seven five when he's out on the court, but for some reason, he doesn't want to be seven. Five. He does not want to be seven four. He wants to be seven three. So people are now calling him seven three because that's what he wants. But um, you know, one of the things that, that's strange is when you have guys who want to be shorter, mm-hmm. um, like KG for years called himself six eleven. He wasn't. He was like seven one. I think Durant is listed at six ten. Jackson just yeah. pointed out to me he's seven foot. I think. Um, most people want to go taller, you know, like nobody in the right. NBA is very few people in the NBA are six, nine, because if you're six, nine, you call yourself six, 10, six, 10 yeah. sounds a lot better than six, nine. Trey, um, Trey, Murphy some, has, Trey Murphy has said that before he's six, nine and a half, but he's like, I'm going to call myself six, 10, because who's going to say there's six, nine and a half. He's like, nobody's exactly. going to say there's six, nine and a half. And if you're uh, six, nine and a half, you can call yourself six, 10. Right? Yeah, it's when you're six, uh, six, Seven and a half, and you try to call yourself six ten. Right. And there's a ton started. of guys out there listed at seven feet that are not seven feet. Yeah. Okay. But there are occasionally guys who want to be too short. You remember, like a couple of years ago, I'm going to say maybe it was four years ago, the NBA said they were going to remeasure everybody and give accurate heights. Yep. And like all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people lost an inch. Yeah. Except for LeBron gained an inch. He went from six eight to six nine. LeBron gained an inch. I think KD. That's when KD went from like six nine to six ten. Um, yeah, there was a, a, a few. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe KD is actually six eleven, but whatever. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you know, you, <laughs> but no, ahead. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, obviously look, the height is right. And you know, I know, I know I, I watched him. I stand next to Kareem on the other day and I know Kareem is older and he's, he's a little hunched over, but he's just, he towers just over everybody and everything at all times. The funniest thing to me about the entire week in Vegas is when you, you know, when you have the team huddle 
and everybody puts their hand up, you know, for the break and everybody kind of reaches high. Victor still reaches high. Like nobody's reaching you in the huddle. Like, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's gonna, everybody's gonna go straight up if they're gonna meet you in the huddle. And he's just puts his hand up high, gets, you know, for the break. And like, you just see this huddle of hands here. And then like Victor's is like way up here. It's just, it's like, come on, man. So that will look, he, that is obviously one thing, but the, again, the poise that he has shown, the poise that he has shown in interviews, the poise that he has shown um, just around, um, that has been to me the, the most impressive thing after watching him come over um, just right before the draft. Yeah. I mean, he's been preparing for this for a long time, as you could imagine. It sounded in some interviews like he kind of was doing two things. He was practicing a little bit with the Spurs summer league team, but he didn't go mm-hmm. with them to Sacramento. Correct. Sounded like he's been spending some time with the Spurs frontline guys. Uh, and well, he didn't just go to dinner with Tim Duncan and Ginobili <laughs> and um, David Robinson, uh, Sean David Elliott. Robinson, yep. Sean Elliott. He also may have been on the court with like Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, etc. Um, did you get that impression that that's what was going on while the team was the rest of the summer league guys were in, in uh, Sacramento? Yeah, and I think he actually kind of slipped and said it. And uh, I think it was that first interview. So Jeremy Sohan was, was I think, stayed back. So he's been working out with those guys. And I think that was kind of part of what, you know, when they went to California Classic, it was, hey, look, you, you guys go do that. I'm going to stay back, get settled in San Antonio. But let's work out with these guys, the guys who I'm going to be playing with the guys who are going to be in starting lineup with me, uh, things like that. And I think that's probably what he needs to be doing here for the next, you know, two to three months. I think that's what the plan is. Going to be, is, is, the, is the Spurs new facility open yet? Not yet, but it, it, it should be open for training camp. So okay. he, he made a comment about, you know, I asked him uh, after the, the game on Sunday. So the, the second game, you know, what, what are your plans? What are you going to do? And he's like, look, he's like, I got to figure out where we're practicing. If it's going to be in San Antonio, if it's going to be elsewhere, we're doing, you know, we're going to have like a little mini camp somewhere, I, I guess. So, and I think some of that is because the new facility is, is supposed to be open for training camp, but they're still putting the final touches on it and how long they're going to be there. So he's, he's going to be putting in work for the next two to three months. And in fact, I think the word that he used, the phrase that he used was, you know, these next two to three months, are going to be great for me and they're going to change my life. I mean, that's how he's looking at the time between now and the start of the regular season. Let's have some mid-July uh, practice facility talk here real quick. Um, <laughs> Cause we are in the dead period. And um, Joe Cronin, the general manager of the Blazers announced um, on Monday that it could be quote months and months before Dame Lillard is traded. So uh, we can all go on vacation, Andrew. We'll see you in September. <laughs> More Hoop Collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. The NFL schedule drops this week, 
and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So the Spurs kind of set the standard for the modern practice facility when they opened their current one. Don't hold me to this, but I want to say it was like in 2003-ish, sometime in the early 2000s, maybe it was a year later, a year earlier, um, where they had this standalone facility that was, you know, some distance away from the center of town. And like with everything with the Spurs, a whole bunch of people came in and copied it. And so when new practice facilities went up over the, over the whole NBA team started copying it, you know, um, and setting up these new facilities And I could kind of go down the list of teams that have built new facilities, you know, that sort of are somewhat like the Spurs or somebody would take it to the next level. And then the Spurs would, or, I mean, uh, somebody took it to the next level and they would copy that, but the Spurs kind of were the genesis of it all. And so over the course of the last decade, we've seen a majority of the NBA open facilities. I mean, I could go down the list and tell you some of, you know, some of them, you know, Chicago has a beautiful facility right next to the United Center. Yes. The, the Wolves opened a facility next door Ooh. to the Target Center. Gorgeous facility. One of the, the cool magic. things about the, yeah, well, hold on about that. Hold on about the magic. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Wolves facility, part of what their facility is used to be a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And they kept one of the theaters that they used to like as a big screening room. Uh, like it's still a theater. Like they, it's actually they really fun. Yeah. The Lynx also you know, used that facility. Yeah. Right there in, in, in Minnesota as well. So that was nice because right. it's, 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 it's very much a, you know, the same thing there. The Suns opened up one a couple of years ago. The Lakers and Clippers have opened up the new facilities within the last decade. I literally could go down the whole list. The Cavs opened one that was the class of the league in like 2006, seven ish. Um, that's a little bit not quite the same, but that was it. You know, the 76ers opened a gorgeous facility in Camden and have a helipad there for when Josh Harris flies down from New York so he can <laughs> land on top of the practice facility. Uh, I can go on and on about yeah. facilities. The Nets opened one in an old warehouse in Brooklyn. So we were, it's, all that was happening. Okay. Then last year, the Orlando Magic raise the stakes and they opened up the, I've never seen it, but I've seen pictures of it. So you've seen it. I've, I've seen it. I've toured it. I've I've been in it. Okay. Go for it. Tell us about, I'm sorry, but this is not really about analyzing basketball, but I'm interested in it. So tough luck. Go ahead. So the one thing about the magic facility, first of all, it is maybe a block, block and a half away from the Amway. So it's still very, very close. It is state of the art everything. It is it's there, there's that it's more and I think what we're going to start seeing it's more about the lifestyle of, of and taking care of everything about the player rather than just here's two practice courts here's a weight room here's a very nice locker room. Now the kitchen facilities are being upgraded. There's you know you can get your smoothies here. You can get your three meals a day if you want over. Here. Here's a family area that all your family can be in. 
if you want. The locker rooms themselves, there's actual closets behind these lockers. Right. The, the, the players have like the little, each player has a walk-in closet behind his locker. Is yes. that correct in saying that? That is, that is 100% correct. I saw it and I was, I, I was amazed. The actual training part is all state-of-the-art. All of the medical needs you have, you need to get scanned. You know, which, all right, we're used to x-ray, x-ray, everything is in the building. Yeah, one and, of the things that's happening, like the Hawks have, the Hawks and the Wolves, and there may be more, they have an MRI center attached to their practice facility. So a yes. player needs an MRI, he takes an elevator right, and gets an MRI. Right. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's everything about it was just top. I think it was like, it was like an altitude chamber, um, which I think more teams are starting to get into now or, or, or room. And so it was by far the most impressive facility that I think I have seen. And I think, as you said, that bar is now being set. And everybody is going to start having to try okay. to meet that. So what I'm saying we is, so I know I've gotten off topic here, but the Magic reset the standard yes. and the Spurs are about to reset it again with this facility that's about to open. And teams are trying to mimic what the Dallas Cowboys did when they built, I think it's called the Star yeah. in north of Dallas. I can't, McMahon's not here. I can't remember the town that it's in. But like they built like a little Cowboys village. Yeah, and teams are trying to do that a little bit. The Raiders did something like that similar in Las Vegas. It's not quite the same. You know, the Cowboys are pretty <laughs> unique in how they roll. But anyway, the Spurs, in addition to getting Victor Wembanyama, are about to reset the way um, they train. In fact, the night of the lottery in Paris, when Victor found out he was going to be a Spur when everything calmed down and, and people were, you know, settling down and it was like three fifteen AM. Like three, four in the morning. Probably I was way. telling, I was telling Victor and his parents, I was like, well, wait till you see the facility. I was like, almost like acting as an agent of the Spurs, like telling him like, <laughs> Hey, well, wait till you see the facility that they're, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes, Victor will be, he is elected, you know, to not play in the world cup for the French, which was a real blow for them because the French are trying to win it. The French won silver at the last two major competitions, the European Championships and the Olympics. They want to win it. They've got the Olympics in Paris next year. They want to win gold there. And Victor now playing was a blow. But he's not going to go back to France. He's going to stay in San Antonio and spend the rest of the summer, right? Yeah, that's the plan. And I know when I talked to him about that, I asked him about that a couple weeks ago. And he said he likened missing the world cup to not playing an entire regular season with the Spurs. He's like, that's how it feels to me to miss a, uh, an international competition. And that's, that's the level of kid. Like he wants to, he wants to win next year as well. I think everything he, he wants to do coming off the full season uh, in the French league, finishing the finals right before the, the draft, obviously sk- I mean, skipping California classic doing two games in Vegas, just to kind of get a little acclimated. But deciding to skip the, it was just so much basketball he was going to play, and I think some of that has to do with thinking about about the Olympics and being and, and wanting to 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 help the French try to win gold next year. And so he, he it was really a a real tough decision for him, I think, to not play in this year's World Cup. But he also knows like there's other things I wanted to do. He he, he keeps talking about how he wants to you know get his body ready to to try and play an 82 game season. And you could see you could see his conditioning in the first game against 
the yeah, yeah. the Hornets he the other tired. night was he looked yeah. like genuinely and, tired at times. And there a lot of his shots were short. Like it's there's a lot that he needs to do right now to kind of you know prepare himself and get ready. And I think that's what these next two three months are going to be about is is staying in San Antonio, staying you know with the guys that he is going to be playing with this season, and, and trying to make sure he is in the best shape possible to to do what he needs to do this season. So when you were at practices, you were at various Spurs practices, both in San Antonio and in Vegas. Did you listen to what other players on the team or some of the other said about Victor, like what what their impressions were? So it, it's it's funny when we talked in in San Antonio again, because these, these are still summer league practices. So we're not we're not getting the Sohans, the you know the Keldon Johnsons, the Devin Vassell. Like we're not talking to them in the trade. We're not getting there yet. But like the Malachi Branhams, the Blake Wesleys, the you know the, the, the other rookies who were playing with him on the summer league team. Like the first one, I think it was Branham who said, "Like yeah, the first thing I noticed was how big his hands were." Or one of them, one of them oh, said yeah, how big his I hands were. That. One of them said how big his feet were. Like they're they're just as in awe, I think, as everybody else about how big Victor really is. And you know they started talking about you know it's gonna be nice to throw him lobs. It's a that's a very big catch radius that you that you have up there. That you can kind of get to. So there, I think it might have been Blake talked about, you know, he doesn't have to jump to dunk it. Like there's layups where he's on his tiptoes, which is just, you know, it's it's just some insane things that um, he is able to do on the court. And I think we are just scratching the surface of seeing what he's he's going to be able to do. On By the way, Malachi Branham, second best player in the, NBA from St. Vincent St. Mary High School, Akron, Ohio. <laughs> Just in case you want to ever talk fighting Irish basketball, we should have a roundtable with Malachi, me, and the guy who plays for the Lakers and talk, you know, Irish basketball history. Just, I just want you to properly know. Now, no. Yes. I just want you to properly recognize. I don't know how many <laughs> NBA players your high school has in their NBA right now, Andrew Lopez. But... Uh, right now, that would be zero. Yeah, that would be oh. zero. All right. Well, well, I can't help you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Brandon actually looked not too bad in the uh, in the summer league. I don't have a I don't have a problem with Victor only playing two summer league games. He played deep into the yeah into the se- into the season. I you know it was interesting. I think the NBA <clears throat> tried to dangle out a little bait because. They're playing the Wizards in game three and the Wizards have Bilal Koulibaly, his, yes. um, his teammate. So like, I think everybody, I think when they made the schedule, they knew that Victor was going to play probably two games. And so, you know, they had him play Brandon Miller in game one and it was going to be a scoot in game two. Scoot got hurt his shoulder. And I think they were saying, well, maybe if we just stick Koulibaly in game three, maybe Victor will be tempted. And, um, he he passed on it. So, um, but anyway, I don't have a problem with it. You know, one of the things about this summer league, there's not a lot of juice coming out of this summer league. Probably, partially because Henderson and Amen Thompson got hurt. Yeah. I was just texting with a with a personnel guy today, and he was like, "This is like the quietest summer league, you know, in terms of juice um, in a long time." So. Um, and that's the thing, like after the first four or five days of summer league, like I think we're in, it's Tuesday. We're like day five right now, day four or five. Yeah. Ooh, we see a, we see a 
a downward trajectory in terms of, you know, all the players who were there sitting courtside, they'll go home, you know, just like any Vegas trip after four days, that's enough. And, um, it's going to, so it's going to feel lonely. I think, uh, Larry Nance is, is staying, you know, throughout, but it's because, um, his younger brother, Pete is playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I feel like, I feel like Larry's going to be sitting by himself on like, courtside come like Thursday and Friday. Well, yeah. So all the other guys have been like, all right, we got our first weekend. We're out. Somebody I know sent me a photo of Larry sitting courtside the other day and he was wearing Pete's jersey. a jersey that had his, his number, which I think is, 22 which also was dad's number and nance on the back and they were like did is larry seriously wearing his own jersey and i'm like no he's wearing his brother's jersey but he is wearing a jersey that says nance nance yeah he is so, it is a 22 and nance it just happens to say northwestern uh i'm pretty sure it was his northwestern jersey it wasn't even i think it was but i couldn't you couldn't see the front you could just okay. see the back so yeah so pete actually what pete he did his four years in Northwestern and then finished UNC. So he was wearing his Northwestern jersey that day. Another Akron, Ohio NBA product. I don't know. I can't help you. Wow. I can't help you, Andrew Lopez, if your town ain't produced an NBA dudes like this. So wow. I can't. Who do we, who do we Actually, have right now? Malachi Branham is from uh, Columbus, but he went to school in Akron. That's all. You know, that's why we call Oh, that's him. all that matters then. You just yeah. claim him. <laughs> that's right. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Okay, I wanted to ask you also about the Pelicans. You live in New Orleans, cover the Pelicans. We've had an interesting summer. How would you phrase... What happened with the Pelicans and Zion this summer? A lot of things have happened with Zion this summer, but it has been um, non-female companion division. Yeah, not, yeah. For as Zion. far as the the actual basketball, there there was one I think kind of maybe maybe somewhat significant move in, in just what they have done with Z is, is when the Pels decided to get rid of uh, Teresa Weatherspoon, who was Zion's kind of PD coach the last few years, and I think. It had nothing to do with relationships or, or, you know, with, I mean, how her relationship with Z and how they were developing or anything like that. It was just more of a, a, a staff and personnel issue where Willie Green, who, when, you know, when Willie Green was brought in, 
remember, he was brought in right after Stan Van Gundy was here for one year in New Orleans. And a lot of that staff ended up just staying the same. So when when Willie really started, I think he was really maybe only able to bring in one or two guys of, of his own uh, to be on the staff. I think a lot of were still kind of holdovers. And I think this is just kind of a natural progression in him, you know, being able to get more people on the I staff. Mean, I'll just say what it is. You know, when he was hired, his reputation as a head coach was not established. He was right. sort of a... I don't want to say weak because you would never call Willie weak, but he didn't possess, you know, extraordinary leverage and therefore did not have as much control over his staff. And this is not unique to new Orleans. And after doing a pretty good job, the first two years, Willie has established himself and frankly is a stronger positional, you know, he's got more say and more strength and he has more leverage and he's getting, to call more shots on who's on his staff. And I presume that he was ready to make a change in that regard. I think right. that's and, the way to put it. Am I off and, base? And there's, there's been some, uh, some, a few more channels, but they, they, like they brought in James Borrego this year, which is, 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 is kind of a big move for them. And Borrego actually has a very good relationship with Willie. He was an assistant coach. The one year Willie Green was, was in New Orleans. Um, then he was an assistant coach in Orlando where Willie Green spent his final year and actually was I think, playing a 34, 35 year old Willie Green down the stretch when he took over as the interim coach in Orlando because of how much he trusted Willie. So now Borrego's kind of in to, to run the offense a little bit here for, for the Pels this year. Um, he's got, you know, Jaron Collins who, who interviewed with, you know, Detroit for, for that job and was, was, was a candidate before they decided to, make money and offer that money couldn't refuse um, to, to go to Detroit. So it, it's slowly building up the staff kind of in the way he, he wants. And I think that was kind of one thing. And I think they brought Z in to tell him that news face to face rather than let him find out on social, which I think was, was kind of, it shows you the, you know, how they want to look, we're, we're, this is something that we know means something to you. We don't want that to be, something you find out on social or something you find out from somebody else. So they brought him in for that. Um, he has been at the facility more than what he has been in the past. And that's uh, somewhat of a byproduct of before he's kind of, when he has been in New Orleans in the summer, he works out on his own. That's just how he has done stuff. Sometimes he'll, he'll go spend a, a month or something before the season elsewhere. And he's, he's been around uh, just a little bit more. I think he just got to Vegas yesterday. Um, so yeah, pretty sure he got to Vegas on Monday night. So he has, you know, it, it's still going to be a lot about getting him right. They've also made a change in the, and this is not necessarily exactly have to do just with Zion, but they have made a change in their in their training staff. Um, Aaron Nelson, uh, who was much heralded when they brought him over from Phoenix, is now shifting to um, a different role. He, he's going to be not around as much. Um, so they're going to take a different approach with some of the training stuff. And that was something that David Griffin talked about at the end of the year. They had to look at a lot of different things with how they were doing stuff. It, it wasn't just a Brandon Ingram issue. It wasn't just a Zion Williamson issue, but it is a lot still going on. I think uh, Z kind of made like a little pop-up surprise appearance on, on, I think it was Gilbert Arenas's podcast on, on Monday night and talked about he's working. Now. Yeah. what do you think about that? I thought it was, uh, it was interesting that they got him to sit down for 10 minutes and talk about um, the diet and the, 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 the training stuff. And, you know, as he, as he said, look, 
I'm a hooper. This is what I want to do. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's out here trying. I'm not trying to intentionally miss games. I am hurt. Um, but what are you, what are you doing to fix that? And he talked about the flexibility stuff and he talked about, um, you know, the, the blueprint that LeBron has given about, you know, the flexibility in the band work and doing all that kind of stuff. And um, I thought he was very candid with the, the diet stuff about, he mentioned the, you know, you, you feel like you have this invincibility trait of like, I'm, you know, nothing can stop me. I'm 19, I'm 20. I can do whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. And he said, when you're, when you're that age and you have all the money in the world, it's, it's hard. And I think he, he has had to deal with that. And I do think right now I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm very interested to see if what has happened this summer from the off the court perspective is going to have a major effect on him on the court in a positive fashion, whereas it's going to make him lock in a little more responding to the, the kind of the embarrassing nature of what has happened and, you know, see where that goes. But I, I thought he was candid in, in, in the brief time he was there. And that's, uh, that was good to see from, from him that he's, you know, he's, he's not going to shy away from, from, you know, talking about stuff like that in, in, you know, in certain settings. Yeah. So the Pelicans are a team that is one of the more fascinating teams. They kick the tires on Scoot Henderson. Who knows what they really, if they ever made a real offer. I've, I talk about this on the pod re- repeatedly. The offer is a, is a sensitive topic in the NBA. And I understand why, because you're worried about players. I don't know how serious they got with Charlotte and Portland. I know they talked it, to him. It's my understanding that it was a, a very much a pick-based offer more than anything else. Or not even offer. Let me not use that word offer. Like you just said. It was a picks-based discussion. Um, the Pelicans have all of their own picks you know, for the next seven years. They, they have the Lakers deferment pick in, in, that they could, could defer to 2025 as a couple of unprotected Milwaukee Bucks picks. And, and it was, if you want that, we can have the discussions and it didn't go much, much further, but it was, it was mostly pick based um, from what I, right. well, you're not getting the number two or three pick in this draft by offering future firsts. Right. So if that's what they only were willing to talk about, then they were never getting it and they didn't get it. So, um, but you know, whatever um, it has been, um, who knows how many times this has been said in new Orleans, they were the number two seed before Zion got hurt. Um, they have. I've said it a lot. I know that much. <laughs> right. They got Herb Jones done this off season. Uh, he they didn't pick up the option to lock him into the four year contract, which I liked because Herb Jones is a high quality player. Um, so. Uh, they are flirting with the tax for the first time ever. Um, yes, they are. I would be reasonably surprised, if not outright shocked, if they were a tax-paying team. So uh, I suspect they're if they're going to go any way, it would be to reduce payroll going forward, but I don't know for sure. Um, but they will be, in theory, starting the season healthy. Uh, Brandon Ingram is playing for Team USA. In the World Cup, he's going to be one of their best players. I expect him to have a pretty big role. Uh, I mean, uh, wing scorer who you know who can shoot from the perimeter—that's like gold. I mean, 
Kevin Durant is in most people's view, the greatest TMUSA player of all time um, in terms of his accomplishments and the volume of accomplishments. Uh, there's some guys who have tremendous cases for that, you know, Carmelo being right up there, but I think it's, it's Durant and Brandon Ingram is cut from the same cloth as Durant. He's not Durant, but he's, you know, that type of player. And so that type of player is extraordinarily valuable in that setting. So he, you know, I would assume would be coming into camp in good condition and good shape coming off that experience. Do you believe that the Pelicans can get back to that level that they were at, you know, assuming Zion is able to play? It's, I do. And it's, it's still just a lot about health. And I think everything comes down to health. They traded for CJ McCollum, you know, 18 months ago or whatever it is now. And in that half of season and then all of last year, he has played in 10 games with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Obviously, Z missed the. I mean, I know you've said that stat several times, but it's, it still halts you. 172 minutes, 10 games plus 60 in those 172 minutes. Again, small sample size theater for what they've actually been on. But the fact that it's been 10 games since, you know, February 2022 is, is kind of alarming. It's, it's always about health with this team, and it has been, and it will continue to be uh, about health. If they are healthy, if this is a healthy team, then, yeah, I do, I do feel like they can compete. I mean, they, they had a stretch there in December. And even during that stretch in December when they – it was a good, it was like a four or five game stretch where they like, they beat Denver here in New Orleans. Then they had the two Phoenix games. I was, you know, one of the ones where the, with the Zion windmill um, at the end of the game against Phoenix. And he made the comment about, you know, they eliminated my team. I, I felt some kind of way. And, you know, they, they flirted with being first in the West at that point, but Brandon wasn't even playing in those games. You know, Brandon had hurt his toe at the end of November. In December might have been the best I'd seen this team look. Um, you had Trey in the, in the Trey Murphy in the starting lineup. You know he was shooting great, and I think there's just if you can figure out the health situation, you can take a step. I know one of the things that Griff has talked about, uh, David Griffin, is you know getting some rim protection for this team for a team that was still what, sixth or seventh in, in, in defense last year. Um, you know, they, they still finished yeah, pretty high. They, 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 the reason they were able to even mildly stay afloat was because they defended. And that's really, I mean, that's because they have, you know, good perimeter defenders. And that's also because Willie Green is a coach that has high standards. And that, you know, it can, it can help carry the day, even when they've been decimated by injuries. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why they actually, I mean, we, we, we talk about the Zion injury. Another injury that hurt them down the stretch. I talked about, you know, he wasn't maybe you know, very, he wasn't hundred percent down the, down the, the stretch of the season, but they missed Jose Alvarado a lot in the last Big month time. and a half of the year. They missed Jose a lot. And I remember we went up to, you know, spoke briefly with Jose in Vegas. And he's like, look, I'm back. I'm back. And he was hyped. And I think, talk about another guy who's going to have a big role in the world. Jose is going to be there with, uh, with Puerto Rico and, that he's going to to come into the season, you know, feeling pretty good and feeling, you know, that he's got to make up a little bit for lost time, not being there the last month and a half of the season or whatever it was. But I think what you see is it, it, the health is there. You you see the bit. And Griff has talked about rim protection, but, you know, so if they could still maybe try to do a deal, and I think the 
easiest route to that is some sort of JV or Kyra Lewis combination. That's really the only thing that kind of gets you to, um, I guess, maybe the money that you would like to be at or and then still being able to stay below the tax if you're going to stay below the tax once the season starts. So it's, I thought they would make more moves this offseason. I, I didn't think they would essentially just try to run it back. I mean, all they've really done is replace, you know, Josh Richardson leaves, you replace him with Jordan Hawkins, your number 14 pick. Um, you let Jackson Hayes and, and Willie Herndon Gomez walk. You replace, you know, one of those with um, Cody Zeller on a minimum deal. And then I think EJ Liddell, you upgraded from a, a two-way contract to a to a full contract. And I honestly, I think if, if EJ Liddell doesn't tear his ACL, I think probably a year ago, either today or tomorrow, somewhere in there, because it was late, later in summer league. If he doesn't tear his ACL, he probably has a contract by last year. Maybe he's not on a two-way. But I think, I mean, that's really all you've done. And running it back is not a, not a terrible idea, but I, I still thought they would have made a, another move for the for rim protection. But, I mean, if you can just keep guys from getting to the rim, then maybe, which was part of what their defensive scheme was, and just try to, you know, force guys away. You know, we'll see what works. But I, I was a little surprised they haven't done that move. I think they are maybe kind of still taking some phone calls. So I'll try to see. If, if, if something can work there, but I, I still think you're, you're in a good spot. But again, it all comes on health and health has just been such a big issue for this team. They are making some moves in that department, other moves that have, that are kind of still going on right now to strengthen the, 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 the training staff, but it, it's, it's just going to come down to health and it's going to come, come down to the health of number one and the health of number 14 about where this team's going to go. Right. So they do have, the expiring contract of Jonas Valanciunas, which is $15 million, um, and those um, draft picks. They have a selection of young players, Dyson Daniels. There's interest in him. He was a top 10 pick a year ago. Her, uh, Trey Murphy is probably would be one of the most valuable players in trade that they could even have. I mean, people would crawl all over <laughs> themselves to get to Trey Murphy if they ever, you know, they actually are in position to make a competitive offer on a, on a significant player um, because of those picks that they have because of a couple of young players that they have. And um, because of the expiring contract of Valanciunas, if they keep to it. So the thing is though, I just don't see them going into the tax. So it yeah. would have to be done that. And so, um, but we'll see um, for sure. Uh, all right, Andrew, thank you for coming on. We're uh, trying to, trying to keep uh Something to talk about as we go into the dead days of the of the season. And um, I appreciate you. I appreciate our producers, Jackson and Bruce. Thanks for listening to the Collective. We'll talk to you soon.